Well, a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were leaving our neighborhood. We were going out someplace. It was during the day. And we noticed these, these two young girls with a table on the side of the road in our neighborhood selling lemonade. And I looked at my wife. I said, you know, you don't see that much anymore. You don't see kids doing that much anymore. It was refreshing to see these young girls out working a lemonade stand. It was just refreshing, you know, and, and to see that. I don't know about you, but I started working at a really young age. You know, we were, we were kind of raised with a work ethic, and, and I started at a pretty young age. I, you know, my dad gave us his lawnmower and says, go out and mow lawns, you know. I'll give you an allowance, but, but I want you to go out and earn money. So we started as, as young people. Young people, you know, young men, my, my, actually my older brother and I, for the most part, go out mowing lawns. And then as a young teenager, I washed dishes at a nursing home. And then later I, I worked at Publix as a, at bagging groceries and stocking shelves. And, and I worked my way through, through uh, my high school years uh, working construction. I, would, I w- actually was a part of a work program. So I'd go to school in the mornings and I'd work in the afternoons and, and uh, as a senior in high school. And, uh, but then I worked my way through college, and I've told you this before, but doing tree work. I worked my way through college, trimming trees, cutting trees down that were dead, and using a chainsaw, and, and this was all in South Florida and Miami, and, and I remember climbing palm trees. We would wear pole climbers and safety belts and all this stuff, goggles, and would take chainsaws and would climb palm trees 40, 50, 60 feet tall. I remember looking into the sixth and seventh story of buildings, trimming palm trees on a little palm tree about this big around, hanging from, from uh, spikes and, and a safety belt and these big clasps that were on our safety belt. And the thing about this, and, and the reason I mention it to you this morning, because when I, when I think back to those days, then I was unafraid of any of it. I would never do that today. How many of you would never do that today? But, you know, we would we'd be up there swinging a chainsaw 50, 60, 70 feet up in, in those palm trees. South Florida has tall palm trees, okay? And those old those hotels on the beach. And, and, but literally my life was hanging in the balance based on those clasps and that safety belt and the spikes that I had in those trees. And that was where my life was hanging. And, you know, just because there are certain convictions and truths in life that we, that we hang our life on, that we need to hang our life on. And all of us, every one of us, we're hanging it today. You're hanging the, 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 your life on certain convictions and truth, you know. Some of them are... are Eat right and exercise. How many know that's a conviction that, that we hang our life on? We, we hope to be healthy. How about don't climb trees? That's a good one, right? And uh, how about spend, spend less and save for a rainy day? How about that's a good conviction, isn't it, to hang your life on and your, and your financial life? How about pay your taxes? <laughs> that's probably a good thing, right? And the list goes on. Each one of you can add, add more to it. Certain convictions just in our natural lives that we can hang our lives on. Louisa May Alcott, a 19th century novelist, said, Strong conviction precede great actions. Strong conviction precede great actions. And I say that because 
I'm going to tell you, the, God is calling the church into great action today. I'm telling you, the God is calling the church into great action, but we got to have strong convictions. we got to hang our life out on, the, on His truth. The question to all of you this morning in this message is, on what truth does your life hang? On what truth does your life hang? On what, what truth or conviction do you hang your entire on? Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, when you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. How many ever heard that one, right? Anybody ever been to the end of your rope? And you just tied a knot and hang on? The question, though, is what's holding the rope? That's what I'm talking about here this morning is what's holding the rope when you, when you tie that knot and hang on? Today, I'm, we're concluding this series that we've been in for the last number of weeks called God First. God First, and my, the title of my message is simply Hang On. My brother, Pastor Tim, texted me this last, yesterday. We were watching football, and he said, man, that's a good title for this football game day is Hang On. <laughs> you know? And uh, that's true. But the, that's the title of my message today. How many of you ever found yourself at a place in your life where you just were hanging on? Maybe hanging on to that last dollar, or, or maybe you got a bad doctor's report and you're just hanging on to God for that. How many of you ever go, have gone through some troubles and difficult seasons and times, maybe in your marriage or maybe in your family, and you're just tying a knot and you're hanging on? Well, that's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. And, uh, you know, what... When you come to the end of your rope, you tie a knot, you're hanging on. What's the rope hanging on to? What's the rope tied to? So on what truth does your life hang this morning? So turn in your Bibles. We're going to turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. And we'll start in verse 34. Uh, if you want to follow along in your message note, with the message notes, they're in the YouVersion app. Just go to your YouVersion app and click more, then events, and uh, you'll find the message notes there under New Life. And uh, in this passage, Jesus has been teaching and the Pharisees have been testing him. How many know the Pharisees came to test Jesus? And, and they're testing him on stuff like paying taxes, they're testing him on these natural things. And Pastor Tim said last week, he says, what is tested is trusted. How many remember that phrase? What is tested is trusted. How many know when you trust something, it's because you know it's been tested in your life? Amen. So Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 34, says, but when the Pharisees heard that he, being Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, what, which is the great commandment in the law or what is the most important law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning. 
Lord, we know we're tested. And Lord, we trust you because we've tested you at times when, we've, when we just tied a knot and had to hang on. We knew you were holding the rope. And Lord, our trust is in you. And Lord, I pray this morning that every one of us, Lord, Lord, as we, as we contemplate this question about what our entire lives hang on, Lord, Lord, that you will speak to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So at this point, Jesus had already silenced. He had silenced the Sadducees. And now the Pharisees come and they test him. They send up their best, their number one guy. They send up this lawyer who thinks he can stump Jesus. At least I assume that's what he thinks he's going to do. After all, you know, Jesus, they thought Jesus was an untrained teacher, you know, that, that he was self-taught. And, uh, and so this, this lawyer comes up and says, what's the most important law? Which is, the, which is the great one? Which is the one that if I break all others, which is the one I should never break? Jesus doesn't just give him one, he gives him two. Because the whole concept there is if you think you can keep one of them, you probably think you can keep all of them and none of us can. That's why we need Jesus. So Jesus tests the tester. How many know Jesus will test the tester? When you test him, he'll test you. He tests this lawyer. But I'll tell you, there's only one time in the Bible that it tells us to test God. Other times it says you should not test him. But this one time when it comes, for some reason, when it comes to the tithe, God says, test me. He says, it's okay, I open a door and you can test me when it comes to the tithe. So the truth of the matter that Jesus tells this man here, this lawyer, he says the single greatest, most important truth that this lawyer and everyone that's hearing him, every one of us can hang our life on. God says, this is, the, this is what holds the rope. When you hang on, this is what holds it. He tells this lawyer the greatest truth. That truth that you can hang your life on is to live life wholly consumed with God. That's the greatest commandment. That's, the, that's what holds the rope, is live life wholly consumed with God. The way Jesus puts it here is he says, Jesus says in verse 37, he answers, he says, the great commandment is, you shall love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, all your soul, with all of your mind. The word love that he uses here is the word agape. It's the God love. It's the way God loves us. The way he loved us so much that he sent his only son. It's, it's the God love. And he's telling us here that we should love God back in the same way he loves us. How do we love God with the immensity of the way that he loves us? 4.19 tells us we love him because he first loved us. You see, we can't fulfill the law. We can't really love God the way that he loves us until we come to the place of being wholly consumed where he is our all and all. Are you hearing me, church? So in each of these, he says, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. In each of these, he uses this word all, which means holy. Not holy, H-O-L-L-Y, but holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. It's holy, completely, totally. Love the Lord your God with all of your being. We're to love the Lord with all our heart. That word heart in the Greek is, is the word cardia. It means with your very heartbeat, with everything that, that you are. The word soul, when he says, love the Lord with all your soul, that's the word suke. It, it means your breath and your spirit. With every breath should be wholly consumed with God. Every, every breath, your whole spirit should be consumed with him. The word mind, when he says with all of your mind, is the word dianoia, and it means your deepest thoughts. Everything that's on your mind, love him. Be wholly consumed with everything, your deepest thoughts, your deepest, the, the deepest things that are going through your mind. I'm going to tell you, when you're going through a hard time and, and you're struggling in life, and fill your mind with the presence of God, with the word of God. Pray, stop. Just If all you can say is, God, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm going to tell you, the peace of God floods you because you're being consumed with him. Jesus is telling this lawyer that the greatest command, the greatest truth is to be wholly consumed with God. Then he offers a second command. Boy, you're quiet this morning. <laughs> we don't have to be quiet, do we? No. You can talk back to me and amen and join. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something, church. I believe this is what the Lord is speaking today. We've got to become wholly consumed with God, completely abandoned to him. The second, the second command Jesus offers this lawyer is to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to tell you, church, we can't do it without God. We can't do this life, but we can't do it without each other. We can't do it. That's why we need to give our prayer request and we need to know that we're together and we need to join together. We need to, to be here. We need to connect with each other. We need to be in these life groups. And we just, I'm telling you, we can't do it without each other because that's what Jesus says. He says, the second is like it. In other words, it's like the first. At the first is, is love the Lord your God with, all, with everything. Be wholly consumed with him. The second is like it. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The word neighbor here simply means fellow man. It means the person next to you, closest to you. It doesn't mean in your neighborhood, on your street. Just It does mean that, but that's not all. The person sitting next to you is your neighbor. Your neighbors with one another. The person in your life group, the people in your life group are your, your neighbors. He says, love them as yourself. We need each other, church, more than anything. And more than any season and time in, in any of our lives, we need each other. We need to be here. We need to be together. Now, the dilemma with the second command, you see, is, is if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, with all, of your, with all your heart, soul, and mind, if you love him that way, what's left for others? What's left to give others? You see, how do you love someone 
with, with just as yourself, how do you love them if, you, if all your love is given to God? You see, if I had $100 in my, my pocket here and I went and I, I decided to give it to one of you, how would I give anybody else anything? It's gone, right? And uh, I'd like that too. If you want to give me the $100, I'll give you back. No. <laughs> but but the, the idea is if, if I'm going to give you all of my attention, I'm going to be like this and give you all my... I don't have time to give somebody else my attention. So the question is, how do you do this? The bottom line is the second command is really not a second command. It's part of the first. Because the question, Jesus really does answer this question. What is the, he, he, great, not plural. What's the great command? What is the one command? Now, Jesus tells him two, but I want you to understand that it's not two. It's really one. Because the, the truth of the matter is if, if we are wholly consumed with God, there will be an outflow of love to others that will, be, that will blow us all away. You see, it's not two, it's, it's one. Everything in the kingdom of God is based on this, this one simple truth. Be wholly consumed with God. Everything in the kingdom of God is based on that. That's what Jesus is saying here. If I'm wholly consumed with God, my values will be his values. How many of you know he loves you so much that he sent his only son to die, to suffer? He's saying, I want you to love each other that same way. His values will be just the same. If we're wholly consumed with God, his convictions will be our convictions. If I'm wholly consumed with God, the natural outflow of my life will be the same kind of love in which he loves all of us that caused him to send Jesus to the cross to die for our sins. Are you hearing me, church? Then Jesus wraps all this up by saying, everything hangs on these two commandments. He says in verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. St. Augustine was quoted saying, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The point that Jesus is saying here is on these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. He's saying that the entirety of the Old Testament, the entirety of the law, all of it is fulfilled when we're wholly consumed with God and the love of God flows out to others. All of it. We, there's nothing else we have to deal with. There's nothing else we have to be concerned with. He says if that all of it, all the prophets, all the law is, is fulfilled and being wholly consumed with him. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 17, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Amen. To fulfill them. A lot of times I, I really didn't think I was going to talk about the tithe like I did, but I, I, that word test just grabbed me this morning. And, and people use 
this as an excuse to uh, disobey God when it comes to the tithe. Well, that was Old Testament. Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish that. Jesus came to fulfill it. Are you hearing me, church? All the Old Testament law, all the prophets are fulfilled in these two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Everything is fulfilled in that. The whole kingdom of God is fulfilled in that. The whole kingdom of God is based on that truth. What do you hang your life on? What is the kingdom of God hanging on? It's hanging on those two truths. The apostle Paul wrote in Romans 13.10, he said, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And love your neighbors, love each other, just as yourself. See, if you're ever concerned, if you're ever concerned about fulfilling the law, or avoiding sin, or not committing the unpardonable sin, if that ever thinks your mind, if you're ever concerned about going to heaven when you die, if you're ever concerned about that, just remember this one truth. I'm telling you, it's not complicated. Completely abandon your life to him. Be wholly consumed with him in everything you do. He says it's all fulfilled in that. I want to ask the worship team to come back up. So the question this morning is on what truth does your life hang? What truth? When you come to the end of the rope, what you, what's holding the rope? What's the single greatest truth of conviction in which you hang your life? I'm asking that question to you this morning. I'm asking you that question for you to stop and say, God, what is that? What is that conviction in my life that I hang everything on? That I base every decision, that I base the way I live, that I base my life on? What is that single truth? You see, if, if there was one takeaway from what I want to share, what's on my heart this morning, the one takeaway is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. To live a life being just wholly consumed with God. A life abandoned to Him. And I'm going to tell you, church, Every one of us, the Bible tells us, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is the greatest pursuit to work out. None of us are there. I'm not there. But I'm asking God all the time, God, how do I do this? How do I abandon myself to this? How do I walk through this in faith? How do I trust you in this situation? How do I get through this? See, that in itself is the way that we work out our salvation when it comes to being wholly consumed with God. Everything comes. God, I, I, you're the answer. You're the one that, that meets this need. You're my provider. You're everything. Are you hearing me, church? That one takeaway is for us to learn how to live our life completely abandoned to God. This is how we have God first. This is why we've done this series 
over these weeks is for us to learn and see. We sing that song, show us your glory. I'm going to tell you, if, when God shows us his glory, it's because we've been, we're abandoning ourselves to him. When he, he, when he comes at a response to our worship, Robert Morris, a few weeks ago, I was listening to a message and he said this. He said, God's anointing comes on the wave of worship. Did you hear that, church? So if you come to church just to hear a message or just see people, I want to tell you, come for worship. (laughs) Get here early. Get here early. Get your heart ready because I'm telling you, church, his anointing, his presence comes on the wave of worship, of worship. I have a word for you I want to leave you this morning. This word is out of the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9. And this word, I feel the reason I want to give this word to you today is because I believe it will help you become wholly consumed with God. It can be that, that one scripture you hang on to that causes you to just simply be wholly consumed. Here's the word. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. How many know today, church, we need, all of us need to be and courageous. It's easy not to be. It, it is hard to be. We've got to hang, be strong and hang on that rope. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. I'm going to tell you, the Lord says to you this morning, those online, those listening and you here, the Lord says, do not be afraid no matter what's facing you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. He says, be courageous. Don't be discouraged. Let nothing discourage you. Be wholly consumed with God. God's calling you to come closer. Every situation, every, everything you're going through, God is calling you to draw closer to Him. And as we draw close and become wholly consumed with Him, we won't be afraid because He's with us. There's no reason to fear. He says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Are you hearing me, church? Decide today. Just close your eyes with me. And I just want to speak that word over you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go church with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I have a challenge for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all, all your soul, all, with all your mind. Become wholly consumed with Him. It's where God's calling us. Let the overflow of that love flow to every person around you and near you. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. 